Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified attorney founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you Dr. Arshna Shrestha, who's an emergency room physician, a life coach, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And more importantly, she is the founder and chief wellness officer at Mighty Mom MD and the co-founder of the widely read Women in White Coats blog. Um, if you guys have caught uh, some of my previous episodes, I've had the opportunity to interview, I think right now going on four, uh, now about to be five authors from this series. And it's such amazing opportunity for women professionals in white coats to really get their thoughts and their words and their emotions and their stories out to the world, right? And I've had a you know blessed opportunity to you know be a part of promoting uh, this series out to the masses, and I'm uh, definitely thankful for it. Today we have Dr. Arshana. She talks about really her purpose and her goal in starting Women in White Coats. You know what she actually contributed to the most recent volume two, uh, the Chronicles of Women in White Coats, and you know, more importantly, what's the future to come. Uh, with the organization Women of White Coats and herself. So uh, like always, remember to tell a friend, if not 10, to listen to the podcast episode, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, let us know how you feel about today's episode, and you guys have a great and blessed day. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store, living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands, and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code EMPOWER10. That's EMPOWER10, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbayerpr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch and Learn community, just heard another amazing introduction uh, from a guest who, again, I've had the privilege of uh, being able to interview not one, not two, but I believe four of her co-authors. I believe it's up to four now. Um, uh, let me, I, I know someone, someone's going to, don't kill me anyone if, if I miss you, but I think it's up to, I think, I think she's going to be my fourth or fifth one. Um, but uh, definitely blessed to, to have Dr. Shrestha on the show uh and we're gonna get well honestly we're gonna get into her business because that's what we do here on the lunch and learn uh podcast but we're gonna be talking about the women in white coats we're gonna be talking about her book her contribution uh to the most recent book as well as getting to again some some more business on a personal uh event that she got coming up so again dr Tressa, first of all thank you right for taking the time uh to join us here on the lunch and community and uh, we very very appreciative of the uh, of the time spent here Hey, Dr. Barry, thanks so much. I'm really, really excited to be here today and to have the opportunity to talk with you. 
So for for my you know let's learn listeners who you know this again maybe the first time you know they're hearing of you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself right like you know they heard the bio but I got I got listeners who love skipping the bio and they go right to like the video so tell us about yourself what do you do on a day to day basis and most importantly because I and I love to do this for my physicians is let's talk about your just your general path in medicine. Yeah, so I'm a board certified emergency physician and I have been um, an attending for 12 years out there practicing in the ER, seeing patients, you know, um, all different types of patients from pediatric patients all the way up to geriatrics, you know, so we've definitely had those newborns and, not, you know, I've had patients as old as 107 and um, one of the cool things about emergency medicine is you not only get to see that huge variety of the age, but um, also the different levels of acuity, you know, so patients who maybe aren't that sick, you know, sometimes uh, patients who might normally go to urgent care type of thing, um, or might, you know, choose to come to ER, um, or uh, patients who are very sick and need to go to the ICU. And um, that was something I really enjoyed about emergency medicine. And that's how I ended up choosing it. You know, uh, Dr. Berry, I was one of those med students who went into med school. You know, I had been exposed to medicine quite a bit growing up. My mom is a now retired family physician, but her family practice is like solo private pr uh, practice for her entire career. And so her um, you know, her family practice was our family business in many ways. You know, I would, um, I, I, love, dad, that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Her, my dad would go in and help with their billing. And I would, um, when I, when I became a teenager would help out, um, in her office as like the secretary and do some filing and my brothers would clean the rooms and vacuum and stuff like that. So it was definitely, um, in many ways a family business. And I grew up around the business of medicine. However, even though um, you know, I went to med school not knowing for sure what field I wanted to do, I kind of thought maybe pediatrics, um, but then when I got to um, my PEDS rotation, there were certain things I really loved about it, but I, I felt really heartbroken when I would see those really sick kids and that sometimes wouldn't make it and, um, or you know, who, were, who had cancer diagnosis, like that just really broke my heart. And I also didn't like to hear kids crying and screaming from some of the procedures that we have to do. And so, um, but then I kind of just kept an open mind, you know, and I went to all my different rotations. I liked a little bit of everything. I liked a little bit of OBGYN. I liked some, some of the surgical aspects, um, like doing some procedures, like minor procedures. I didn't necessarily like being scrubbed into the OR doing like a 10 hour case or anything like that. But I liked the, um, you know, I, I just really liked a little bit of everything. And then somehow, I don't even know what it was that made me decide that I was gonna give, um, well, actually I do remember what it was. I was, I, I rotated in the pediatric ER for about a week. And that was my first exposure to the ER. And that was actually part of my pediatrics rotation. And I said, wow, I like this place. Like this environment just seems like the perfect environment for me. And so then um, later on, when it came time to doing electives, I said, I got to do a, a full month rotating in the ER and see how it is. And um, that was like the perfect thing for me. It was kind of like love. <laughs> like I fell in love with it because I was like, just felt like I jived. This was like my vibe, like the, pe the people who worked there were like the right, you know, my fit, my kind of people. And I also am the type of person who likes variety. 
I have a journalism background, so I kind of like being on the front lines and like where the action is. And so it's like, this is the place for me to be. Like, this is where all the action is happening. This is, to me, I was like, this is like what I imagine medicine being like, you know, and really getting to be there for people during their emergencies that they're experiencing. And um, I just found it so incredibly exciting. And uh, so that was it. That was how I decided I was going to do emergency medicine. And um, it certainly wasn't a, a cakewalk to, to match into emergency medicine for residency. It can be a very challenging residency. And I actually write about that experience um, in our first book and some of the obstacles that I had to overcome to, uh, to actually become an emergency physician. I, what I love about that is, especially for the lunch learning listeners who um, sometimes they don't necessarily see, right? They always typically see the end result, right? They just see the internist, the surgeon, but, you know, they don't see the thought process that it takes. They don't see the ups, they don't see the downs. And, and I, th- I think the importance of really kind of being able to humanize your physician and, and see them for all of the stuff they do. So great. So I, I definitely love, especially as a student, like that, that moment, I just kind of clicked for you and said, oh, you know what? Like, this is it. Like, like, I, I can't see myself, and I jokingly tell the student, the med students who I who I, I rotate with, like, all right, guys, you got about a year and change to kind of decide what you want to do for the rest of your life, right? So <laughs> if, if you're not one of those yeah. people who, when you were a first year medical student, you're like, oh, I'm going to be the surgeon at Dermot, like, if you're not one of those people, which most of us aren't, um, you're going to find out within this next 12 months or 13 months, like, what you want to do for the rest of your life, and you, uh, hopefully you're happy uh, doing it. So I definitely love you know, that, that aspect uh, of care. Now you kind of mentioned it, right. And I definitely don't want to let pass by like your journalism background, like, like how does having that journalism background and then what made you say, you know what, maybe medicine, right? Like, cause I always have. <laughs> yeah. So I had actually always planned to go to med school and the journalism part was actually kind of veer off the, the path hmm. to med school. And so I uh, had been in one of these programs that there's students out there, they might know about some of these direct programs where you basically get admitted to med school from high school. It's like, uh, like kind of like a guaranteed admission. And so um, at the university I went to, I had, um, you know, it's like basically like as long as I kept up my GPA and I got a certain um, score on my MCAT, which was like a pretty high score. It wasn't like a walk. Uh, cakewalk kind of score. It was like a pretty good score that you had to get and you had to keep your GPA up pretty high. And then as long as you met those requirements and your spot was guaranteed for you in med school. So, you know, I decided that I was going to be a doctor at like 17, you know, when I started applying for these programs. So that was quite young. And then I always kind of in the back of my mind um, wondered, was I doing it because I wanted to, or is it just because it was like somehow planted in my head that I was going to become a doctor? From mom. From, yeah, because yeah, you know, mom, mom had you around and Yeah, mom was kind of like mentoring me, you know, (laughs) and so I was like, I kind of had to say, you know what, I got to make sure I'm doing this for the right reasons. Meanwhile, I started writing for the school paper or the university paper, um, newspaper, and I had always loved writing. And so I, my, my brother's girlfriend at the time was also in journalism school. And so I was just all of a sudden fascinated. I was like, oh, this sounds really cool and really interesting. I, I decided to cover sports. And um, at my university, they actually had a professional women's tennis tournament. And Serena Williams and Venus Williams came to play. And I got to interview them and watch them play. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so much fun. And again, you know, like I mentioned, I'm, I've got, I love this, like, the excitement. I love being on the front lines. 
And, um, and then I just decided, you know what, I, I was kind of wondering, like, am I doing the right thing? Because I'm really loving this journalism stuff. And so I said, let me go and like, instead of going straight to med school, I'm going to take a year to explore further. And I ended up doing a master's in journalism. And um, it was a year long program. They kept my seat for me in med school in case I ever wanted it. Nice, um, nice. So it was kind of a nice opportunity to explore. And when I did do journalism, I absolutely loved it and had a really great time. But then I started thinking, well, I still feel like I want to become a doctor. And can I do both? And then I decided, well, yeah, I can do both. And there's this thing called medical journalism. And, you know, I looked up to people like um, sort of the the OG uh, before Sanjay Gupta was the chief medical correspondent for ABC News was like Dr. Timothy Johnson. And I had always mm, loved his work. Okay, I like that. Yeah, as when I was, you know, growing up and I always watched him and I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. You know, there are doctors out there who are doing journalism. And so um, finally things kind of came full circle for me to really uh, dive deeper into medical journalism when I was in residency. And my residency, um, at George Washington University, they had this really cool um, part of it where we were supposed to do a mini fellowships. And that just meant that we could focus on anything that we really wanted to within kind of medicine. And um, they had this whole philosophy of like, you know, to prevent burnout, you should have something else that you're passionate about besides the clinical practice of medicine. And so um, they really highly encouraged us to use that mini fellowship. And people did things like administrative things, or maybe they liked EMS or ultrasound. But for me, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do medical journalism. And so I spent a number of months, um, I got to rotate up in um, Boston at ABC News and uh, doing a medical journalism internship. And I got to actually meet Dr. Timothy Johnson and um, write for their blog and um, be behind the scenes and see what was going on, you know, in, in the medical journalism world. So, um, and then things kind of kept going from there. I actually produced a documentary and- um, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> produced a documentary. I kept writing. I kept, I've always been blogging over the years. Things kind of took a backseat with that um, once I had my kids and family. But then um, in the past three, four years, came back to it with Women in White Coats. So it's, it's been quite the journey. But um, what I think is important is that, you know, sometimes as physicians, we get channeled into one thing and thinking like it's medicine and I got to be all in and there's nothing else. I can't have any other side hobbies or any other side interests that I can develop. But I think that we are multi-talented. Many physicians are multi-talented and have so many interests many of us were actually quite talented in other areas before going into medicine and we kind of let those things die off or be dormant um but i love telling people to reconnect with those things because it's just like you see their light their face kind of light up you know what i what i love about that is so funny i just just this year because I'm a, I'm a program director for those who may not know um and just this year i started like a business and medicine lecture series and uh, one of my lectures was literally focused on like, okay, guys, you know, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? You know, hospitalist, outpatient medicine, academics. Okay, that's great. Like, that's on the left side. Okay, now you got that job. Now, what do you actually want to do, right? Like, after you have this, right? Like, what are your hobbies? What are your, like, what are your strengths? What do you actually enjoy doing that no one has to pay you for it to do? Like, I want to know what those are. Because, and you said, you hit it right on the head. Uh, we get into medicine and we go so hard doing medicine that we just totally just like brush off these things, right? Totally brush off the fact that I like writing. I like reading. I like doing, like we just told her, ah, that's uh, I'm doing medicine. So I'm not even going to pay to any mind. And I love that you were kind of able to do really both at the same time. 
like now even out of out of residency you were still writing with the, the blogging and every that's that's amazing yeah i've had a number of different blogs over the years that kind of keep um, evolving and iterating into <laughs> what i'm doing but um yeah I've, I've kept writing overall i've done some type of media work overall i was a spokesperson for the american college of emergency physicians for 10 years and so did a lot of like media work. So it's always doing something related to medical journalism. And certainly when my personal life got busy and I became a mom and I had young children, I, I had to prioritize what I was I gonna spend my time on. So that's why I say things kind of weren't, you know, and I couldn't spend as much time as I maybe would have liked on medical journalism at that time. But um, what's interesting, Dr. Barry, is that I, I've been noticing, I, I kind of realized this somewhat recently is that when my kids were born, when I had my first child, like there was an entrepreneur that was born in me and I started to get into, um, in addition to writing, I also started to get into building a business, you know, and I've had a number of different businesses over the years, but this business that first started when I had my son, my first son was um, actually a t-shirt business, a, a novelty t-shirt business. Okay, <laughs> I decided right. to design love that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it just kind of, um, but I started to really just fall in love with being an entrepreneur and learning this whole other skill set of things, you know, um, like marketing and how to, you know, grow a business, how to just spread your message out there. And what I love about entrepreneurship is that it's, it's all about solving problems, really, you know, it's bringing value to the world and solving problems and, and taking a problem and, and finding a solution for it that other people could use and that they, they value. So it's kind of, it's been really a cool, cool journey. And, and, you know, I think that that's what's interesting about life. Like we all evolve, you know, and I think that physicians tend to, we tend to get, like we already mentioned, kind of stuck in one lane and, um, but we're always growing, we're always evolving. And, and that's one of the things with like women in white coats is I love connecting with women doctors and me like, you know, you don't have to do medicine this one way. There's so many different ways of doing it and, and you could really, practice medicine, you know, in any multiple different ways and, and make it fit for you, make it work for you. Let's, let's talk about women in white coats now. Like, what was, was there, uh, obviously just being in your, your situation and everything, like, did you feel like there was this, like, you know, black hole of a need, like, or where it was a frustration? Like, what were some, what were the origin that said, you know what, like, I have to do this because, like, I, I just have to. Like, what, what, like, I always like to know about the start of, you know, the things that tend to take yeah. off. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the whole idea, the concept of the book. So what our whole Women in White Coats really started from a book. We wrote a book called The Chronicles of Women in White Coats. It was published back in 2018. It was um, the brainchild of Dr. Amber Robbins, who's my co-founder for Women in White Coats. But she came up with this idea of, you know, a lot of us women doctors are in these private Facebook groups. And we're sharing sharing the real deal, like the ups and downs of what we're going through, the struggles, the successes, you know. And we were like, you know what? Uh, Amber had the idea of like, well, why is all this so private? Like, why are we keeping these stories private? Because women who are thinking about going into medicine, they should know the struggles, the ups, the downs, mm -hmm. you know, and that yes. it's not always um, like Grey's Anatomy, like this Hollywood version of, of being a doctor, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a real deal here and they should know that. And so she decided to put the book together and we were at the book launch and we had this audience of people we're doing a q a and people were just asking us all these questions you know and it was like a lot of lay people um our family and friends you know so not everybody there who was in medicine and so they were just like well what's this like and what's that like you know we read the book and 
And it's just, there's so many stories in there like, well, when is the next book coming out? And, um, and, and what we also realized was that it wasn't just uh, a book and it just wasn't just a moment in time. This was really the beginning of a movement and where we really needed to share the stories. And this is also, you know, as um, kind of, you know, women empowerment is kind of really taking off around the country. And, um, you know, for me on a personal level, I also saw my mom as a doctor and she struggled a lot, you know, like she was a, a generation ago, a doctor. And, and, you know, so nowadays there's 50% of, of med students are women enrolling in med school. But when you look at the number of women physicians out there practicing, um, you know, all ages, it's about one third are women physicians. And, and that, and, and at the time where she was practicing, like, especially when she first started out in practice or when we were young children, um, when her kids were young, um, when we were young, she struggled a lot because there weren't very many women doctors. And I saw her go through a lot of different things, um, not having much support from the men in the field. In fact, she actually wanted to be an OBGYN and, and male OBGYNs would tell her, like, nobody wants to see a female OBGYN. <laughs> so they discouraged, <laughs> which is actually like quite the opposite, right? Nowadays. Um, and they're like, well, women want to have a male. And she was like, really? Okay, that seems kind of weird. But um, she just, you know, people discouraged her. And, you know, she would be like in the doctor's lounge, like one of only one of few women there. And meanwhile, she, had, of course, she had her friends, but many of them weren't doctors and many of them weren't even like working women, you know? So she was very isolated throughout her journey and as a physician, as a woman physician. And I saw her kind of internalize that struggle and it did kind of lead to some chronic medical problems over time. And so that's kind of my personal connection to like why this is so important. Meanwhile, you know, when I'm in med school and I'm out there um, as, a, as an attending even, I'll walk into a room and see a patient. And especially if it's like an older male, <laughs> he'll be like, you're the doctor? And I'll be like, yep, I'm the doctor. That's why I'm wearing the white coat. And that's why my badge says physician, you know, on it. Um, or, you know, there's been times where like, I'll go see the patient and come out the room. And then the nurse will come up to me later and said, oh, that patient said that um, they haven't been seen by a doctor yet. I'm like, well, you know what? And I always make it a point to like, the, re the reason I wear my white coat is because I feel like that makes me look more like a doctor. And then um, I even make it a point to say, you know, I'm Dr. Shrestha. I'll be your doctor here today. I say doctor at least a couple times to them. So that like really sinks in. Kind of like drives home, like, please, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And so, and then you'll get, you know, comments about, oh, you're too young to be a doctor. You're too pretty to be a doctor. You know, like, um, stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, you know, you, you're just like kind of like, okay, well, and then you just, you show them how good you are and you kind of have to feel like you have to prove yourself. You have to time. prove yourself. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, and this is, this is, if you talk to any um, female physician, you'll hear this story from every single one of them that, that they are assumed to be the nurse and, and not that they're, you know, we love our nurses and that's, we absolutely need our nurses. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but it's just like, we want to be recognized for our credentials and all the years that we spend, many of us spent like a decade, you know, between med school and residency training to become a doctor, board certified physician, you know? And so it, it was no small feat took a lot of work. And so we just started to realize that women doctors, you know, we personally were going through a lot and, you know, then you get into like starting a family and then trying to juggle having um, kids and your career. And that's for me when I started to feel burnout because I was, you know, basically not 
taking any time for my own self-care. I was feeling some parental burnout, some career burnout, because I was basically had the second shift. You know, I'd go do a shift in the ER, and then I would come home and do a shift at home, <laughs> taking care of the kids. And so um, that was when I first started to feel burnout. And um, I just realized, we, we just realized that there's so much going on, that women doctors need so much support in, in what they're going through. And, you know, we hate for them to have done all this training and then just walk away because it's just too much. So we, our mission is to uplift and empower women doctors. And throughout their life, throughout their career, through the ups and downs, and really just give them the tools that they need to succeed to have a, a long, um, a long fulfilling career in medicine or practice medicine on their own terms. Um, but you know, we and we do that in many ways. Like one is through creating community. That's a big part of what we do because when we get yeah, cause, together, cause I was gonna, I was gonna ask because I saw it started as a book, but like I want to know like. Like, how can people be encompassed into the world of uh, women in white coats? Yeah, yeah. That's such a great question, Dr. Barry. I mean, basically, we've really, you know, we started as a book and we evolved. Um, we, we decided to become, do a blog because there were so many more stories that needed to be shared, so many more perspectives that needed to be shared, and so many more women doctors who wanted to share their stories. So we said, let's not wait to do another book. Let's just start and get a blog out there. And so we put a blog together. And um, it did really, really well. People loved the content that we were publishing. They loved the stories that we were sharing. And um, from there, we just started building a community as well. And then as we built community, of course, comes like, when are we gonna get together and meet in person, you know? Cause it was all an online community. And then we started doing um, like a retreat, a wellness retreat. And then we would start doing some meetups and in-person retreats. And then now um, we also have online courses and, you know, have like many other people have been switching more and more to virtual meetings and things like that due to the pandemic. But um, we've really evolved into a lot of different things. Um, we're even doing some coaching as well to really dig deeper with people, women doctors who really need that additional support to make it through the different things that they're going through, whether it's being a mom in medicine or maybe they're wanting to figure out how to practice medicine on their own terms in a way that really fits their life and their family's life. Um, and, and to maybe make, you know, my goal is to hopefully make, I would love to see medicine be a really family friendly field, you know, for men and women who have family, but especially for women who tend to carry more of the, the family responsibilities. It's so funny as a uh, uh, as a program director. One, you know, one of the for, for and I, I kind of mentioned it. Uh, I think my IG post um, that uh, this year alone we have because we take six residents every year and we match all six women, right? Which has uh, definitely been a feat that I, I've been shooting for because when I started uh, as a program director, uh, the ratio was twelve and four, right? No, I'm sorry, 12, 12 and six, right? Like twelve men, and I was like, like. Like this doesn't even make sense because this doesn't even match medical school stuff. Like, so what is happening? What are we doing, or what do we not, per, uh, you know, portraying? Right, that that doesn't make us like a viable spot. So to have six uh, this year, uh, you know, you know, I'm very ecstatic about. Uh, but I always think about so like, okay, what am I doing? And I have to be very active in my approach, right? Because I because you can't just really be idle, right? Like, what can I do to make sure that this continues to be a safe environment, right, for for women, right, as they go through, you know, part of the, uh, I'd say some of the toughest part of being a doctor, right, is the training aspect of it. 
and understanding that you know what there's you know they their lives are still going to be led once they leave the hospital after shift right like especially when it comes to family and and, and i've seen that burden on both ways where you know my male residents their their wife is pregnant wouldn't even realize it wouldn't even because it doesn't change <laughs> them right like yeah you know, they're, you know they're, they're just going through the motions right but when obviously my female uh, residents are pregnant you know there's appointments they got to get to and then when the pregnancy comes there's leave that has to occur and what do you do for the leave now uh, am, am i now penalized right and having to stay extra time on my medical education right just because i happen to be a woman uh so, and those are questions uh that again i as a man I'm never going to uh, be able to relate to, uh, and all I, all I can, all I, I can be empathetic and and say like, yes, I understand the problem, but I'm never going to really understand the problems. Uh, so I think it is active approach uh, that you have to do active, right? Especially to make medicine a safe environment for women, because uh, and again, I don't want to say as you know, uh, but you know, as as I assume that for a lot of women, it it hasn't been safe uh, at 100 percent of the time as it may be um, for, for a man. Yeah, yeah, I really applaud you, Dr. Barry, for, you know, doing, you know, being active in seeking out women to join your program and being someone who, you know, as a hashtag goes, he for she, you know, <laughs> standing up for, you know, because we need, women also need men to stand up for them and to advocate for them. And it can't just be women advocating for w other women, you know, like we, we need men to also do that. I really, really applaud you for doing that. It's, it's so important and so valuable. But yeah, I mean, as, as women, we, we do go through a lot of different things. I mean, I can remember in my residency program, um, one of the former residency directors had highly discouraged the women physicians from getting pregnant during residency. And it was kind of like, you know, this I, I, apparently it had been spoken a few times of like yeah you shouldn't have kids and that's oh, so, it, so it wasn't even like an unspoken and not even an unspoken <laughs> well that's what i'd heard i hadn't i never heard it directly from this um attending sure but sure i heard through the grapevine so i don't know i can't it could right. just be hearsay but that's what i heard um but you know, nobody ever said that to me. Um, I wasn't married at the time. I was not wanting to have kids at that time because I was like, I could barely keep myself afloat. I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to <laughs> handle being pregnant <laughs> at that time and taking care of a child. However, for some women, it is the time for them, you know, and um, there's, of course, all the infertility issues that, um, you know, there have been studies that actually show that women doctors have more infertility problems, you know, mm. like I think it was a one in three of us. And it's um, even when you account for age, you know, like the fact that we're um, tending to start having kids later. Yep. And so even when you match that, so I don't know, maybe it's stress, maybe it's the environment, who knows what it is, but we already, you know, have infertility issues too on top of that. And so, you know, it, it's tough, it's tough, but I, I would love to see more residencies doing things to make it more family friendly because I do think women doctors are a real asset, you know, and there's a lot of patients out there who want women doctors. And there's been a, a few studies that have shown how women doctors can have really good outcomes, sometimes better than their male colleagues, you know, um, for certain things. And so, um, you know, I think that the more we can do to, to make it a, a more family and women friendly, you know, profession, the better, you know. Did you have any, any, any hurdles? 
uh, were, were there any hurdles during the kind of the origination of, of the idea of women in white coats and just the, the thought process or just trying to get people, you know, other women together? Was there any like, like steps you had to go through or was it pretty readily accepted? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a really good reception to what we're doing. And, you know, we're, we always kept things really positive and uplifting and, um, you know, just collaborative. So I think that we've been really lucky that way in that people have really loved what we've done and they really enjoy every, you know, all the events that we put together and the content we're putting out. We get pretty much nothing but positive feedback on everything that we're doing because, I think people just, especially the women out there who are following us, um, they just really feel this need for what we're doing and the content we're creating. And, um, you know, every time we do an event, especially, and we talk about things like burnout, um, the thing that uh, the feedback we get is like, I didn't know that I would, I felt so alone before I found this community. I felt so alone. I felt like, it was this big dark secret of what I was going through and that nobody could understand, you know, and they just felt so alone in the hurdles that they were facing, the difficulties, the obstacles, you know, and then also oftentimes that leading to burnout because, um, you know, women physicians, the, the most recent Medscape survey um, actually published this year showed that uh, nearly 50% of women doctors are feeling burnout. Whereas for, for men, it's, it's closer to about 40%. And so, you know, half of us are feeling burnt out and we're just going around trying to hide it, you know, because we just feel like embarrassed. We feel like we've disappointed others. We feel like we're disappointing the system if we don't practice full time at this, you know, um, fit in the box, you know, like the, the, the cookie cutter way of practicing medicine, you know, if we go down to part time or if we cut it, you know, decide to take a leave of absence, we, we're, we're kind of like made to feel like we're less than for doing that, you know? Um, and, and so the, the, the main feedback we get is, wow, I finally found a community that gets me and understands what I'm going through and I don't have to feel alone anymore. I love it. So talk, talk to us about uh, your, your recent contribution. Because uh, we talk about Women in White Coats, but uh, you guys just dropped another book, right? Like talk, talk to us about part two. Talk to about uh, your, your contribution to the book. Yeah, so the second book has been wonderful. Um, we've, uh, D- Dr. Amber Robbins and I are the only two authors from the original book who also are writing for the second book. But um, in, in this second book, I write about Superwoman Syndrome. And um, about what it was like for me to grow up with watching my mom, who I basically saw as a superwoman because she was not only raising me and my brothers, as I have two older brothers, but she was working private solo practice. And she did um, a lot of things on her own. Um, and on top of that, she was really engaged in her community and um, was like a phenomenal Indian cook as well. My family's from India and she, you know, she also dealt with so much, you know, between gender disparity and also some racism and, you know, she dealt with so much and I watched her deal with that. And um, when I became a mom, I thought I was supposed to be just like her in many ways or that I should achieve as much as she had. And I was like, then I realized I'm like, wait, how did she do all that? <laughs> because I certainly am not able to do nearly half of what she's able to do. I can barely keep one area of my life straight, you know, um, whether it's career or family. I was like to do the both. And I was like, 
I have this inferiority complex about my cooking. I'm like, I'll never be as good a cook as her, you know? Mm. (laughs) And I was like, well, and then I came to this realization of like, wait, why am I trying to be the superwoman? Like, where did this whole thing come from? Why, like, who said I have to be a superwoman? Like, why can't I just accept who I am and that I'm doing the best I can do? And, you know, where's this, this ideal of, of a superwoman coming from? And so, um, I started to just question that in my own journey, you know, um, like, why am I trying to be a superwoman? Do I even want to be a superwoman? And what are the costs of trying to be a superwoman? And basically, what a superwoman is, like, there's actually um, a, a superwoman syndrome is actually kind of a, a term, term that psychologists use. And what it is, is basically giving so much to others and trying to do everything, you know, so not only being a career woman, but also um, a, 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 a very present mom, a very engaged mom. So you're trying to, like, not only do everything with your career, but also everything at home. And you just kind of keep adding and adding and adding to the plate, never taking anything off. Whereas a career woman kind of decides like, I'm going to focus on my career and the home life is going to be someone else's responsibility or, you know, not so much my focus, but a superwoman tries to do it all. They try to do both things, you know, and, and what is the cost of that? And so I kind of looked at my mom's life and I was like, well, the cost of it for my mom really was that she ended up with some chronic illnesses, you know, and she, over time, the chronic stress led to some chronic illnesses that she had, like hypertension and, and some other things, and, um, and and led to a lot of anxiety for her, you know, and, um, you know, and feeling isolated and burnout, you know, that's, that was the cost, that was the price she paid of being a superwoman, and so as I kind of was uh, initially, when I became a mom, trying to be a superwoman, I started to really think about, is that the way to go, and what do I want my life to look like and so um, I just I consciously made a choice I'm like I'm not gonna try to be a superwoman I'm gonna ask my husband to help me as much as possible we're gonna get a nanny we're gonna use Amazon Prime like we're gonna do all these things like in small and big ways just learn to bring help you know like involve other people and and not not for me to try to do everything on my own you know and I just was like I'm only one person I can only do so much you know and as I mentioned, I kind of was also going through some burnout at that time. And then I started to realize that the self-care was really, really important. And what oftentimes superwomen, superwomen do is they do everything for everyone else, for their career, for their work, for their family, except themselves. Like they, they put themselves last and they basically sacrifice themselves for the sake of everybody else. And, and you know, that's a, um, what I started to realize is that that is not sustainable. Like that is just basically running yourself into the ground. And, um, and, you know, and so basically I decided that that's not what I was going to do. I'm not going to try to be a superwoman. I'm going to take um, time for myself and self-care and really try to give from the overflow. You know, sometimes people say you can't give from an empty cup, which is absolutely true. And you should pour from a full cup. But I would say, actually, you should give from the overflow. Like fill yourself up so much that you have so much love to give. You have so much energy, so much passion, so much motivation to give to others that you're giving from the overflow. And I think that's, that's true giving when you're giving from, from the overflow, not by depleting yourself. And so that's kind of what I write about in the chapter. And um, what's been really cool, Dr. Barry, is that so many people have really related to it and um, can really resonate with that message. Even women who aren't in medicine, just women, especially just working women, working moms, can really relate to the whole perspective on that and take away a lot from that chapter. 
it's been a really, um, it was really a fun chapter to write about, and um, I think it really resonates with a lot of people. Now, has 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 women in white coats just the just the foundation, the origin, just like everything that's kind of been encompassed from it? Has it helped you um, with the burnout? Has it helped you get back to recognize what is self care for you? Like how like has has it had a positive effect on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. It's been such a wonderful um, time for me to be a part of this, and you know, really just reconnected with. That reconnected me to so many things, you know, it got me back writing more, it got me, um, you know, doing more medical journalism and media work, but also got me to, you know, get the creative juices flowing. Like I'm a very creative person, um, you know, and as somebody, as a co-founder of it, um, you know, it is also a business and it got my entrepreneurial side kind of going too. So um, it's really been so incredibly motivating. And I think that um, one of the things that's, that's so rewarding is just having a passion, you know, for helping others and making an impact in other people's lives and um, bringing that creativity there, bringing the, re- the writing, using my entrepreneurial skills as well. And, and it's really all kind of culminated in, in so many of the different aspects in, of my life, you know, between medicine and journalism and my interest in um, being an entrepreneur, it, it all kind of culminates with Women in White Coats for me at this time. And um, so it, it's really helped me a lot. It's also given me a huge, like a community. It's, it's helped me um, just be excited about life. You know, I think that um, maybe you can relate to, you know, after being out practicing for a number of years, the clinical side, you know, you're like, okay, I got this, you know, after the 1000th chest pain and abdominal pain, evaluated you're like okay you know it's not so intellectually challenging (laughs) anymore um so i think that you know for me i feel my best when i'm just like growing all the time you know like when i keep growing and i keep learning and doing different things and you know i think within medicine i felt very comfortable like clinical practice of medicine i felt very like I'm, i'm good you know i'm in my stride with that but I needed to keep growing in another area. And so um, Women in White Coats has been that um, avenue and venue for me. So it's been really amazing. Now, how, now where, where, did, where did Mighty Mom come from? Like, is that, is that more of extension? Is, was that there before? Yeah, so Mighty Mom MD is my personal brand. Um, it's a, uh, so I kind of mentioned I, I've had a number of businesses over the years. Um, <laughs> when I, so my son is now 10, but when he was under a year old, I started this t-shirt business. And then uh, after that, after a couple of years of that, I um, was on my, you know, trying to overcome burnout. And what brought me back, as I mentioned, was um, diving deep into self-care, which meant you know, um, eating really well, focusing on my nutrition and um, working out regularly. And the other thing that was happening as I was kind of dealing with the mommy stress, career stress, the burnout, et cetera, is that I had gained a bunch of weight and I was wanting to lose it. And so um, focusing on self-care not only allowed me to lose about 35 pounds, but really got me, you know, feeling better mentally because I was a super crabby person then. And um you know, just getting into really negative headspace and, and mindset. And so I, you know, working out brought me back. And I had a coach who helped me on my fitness journey, who helped me get into a really great self-care routine. 
And um, she was like, you know what? And, and so what happened was I, as I lost the weight and people were like, hey, you look happy. Like, what's going on? Like, you just seem like a happier person. And I was like, yeah, I am happier. I, you know, I've been doing these workouts. I've been following this nutrition plan. It's been amazing. They're like, well, I want to do it too. You know, um, how do I do it? And so I decided to help them and I became a coach um, focusing on wellness and um, lifestyle, nutrition, and, and exercise, you know. Um, so I started coaching, and that's what Mighty Mom MD is, my personal brand for my wellness coaching. And so um, that was kind of what I was doing as I got involved in the first book of Women in White Coats, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats, which was back in 2018. And so um, now I kind of do both, but I am spending more time um, with women in white coats of late because we're just growing so much and we have a lot of momentum. But it's interesting because a lot of the things really align in many ways. And as when I was coaching primarily with, uh, with Mighty Mom MD, um, most of my, many of my clients were in healthcare. Many of them were women physicians or nurses um, and just because they could relate to me and I could relate to them and what they were going through. And, you know, all those donuts that just show up <laughs> in the <laughs> hospital break room. I was like, yeah, I got you. I totally know that. Like the cookies and the donuts and like, you know, I don't know, like you, you uh, don't even have a chance to eat in the ER, but somehow like donuts and pizza show up, you know? Right. Like, you and, never see who even brings it in. It just ends up like, oh, okay. Or we got the, the donuts in here. Like you look at the table and like, okay, donuts. Okay. Yeah. Donuts. And plus you're like, Hmm, I didn't even eat anything today. Maybe I should have a donut, you know? And so then you start gaining weight. So I can relate to what they were going through. And I was like, yeah, I totally hear you. And here's what I do. Here's how, here's my tricks for avoiding the donuts, you know? And so, um, so it also kind of converged in many ways because with women in white coats, we do definitely talk a lot about wellness. We have a lot of talks about, um, burnout and how to overcome it. And, you know, obviously burnout is multifactorial and, you know, it can certainly be due to some institutional things that are going on within the hospital or EMR or, you know, kind of uh, administrative burden that people feel, doctors feel. But there's also the self-care side, which I think that we in med school are never taught that we need to kind of take care of the healer. You can't just keep on giving and giving and never take care of yourself, you know. Um, so in many ways, uh, the two have kind of like converged and now we're doing some coaching through women in white coats too. So in many ways, it's all kind of one thing leads to the other to the other and you're just kind of evolving and growing. So that's the beautiful part about it. Love it. So and, and speaking of evolving, what's 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 happening next for us, right? Like what what do we have to look? I know even though I know I'm asking a lot because I know you just did the book, right? But like what's what's next for us? Like what's what's on the horizon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with Women in White Coats, we actually have um, a virtual summit that we're putting together, and it's called the Women in White Coats Virtual Summit, and the, the theme of it is called Women Docs Thinking Outside the Box. So, I mean, I kind of referenced that um, as we've been talking, uh, because I think that, you know, the, whole, the, the what we're doing basically is featuring 15-plus uh, women doctors who are practicing medicine on their own terms, living life on their own terms, because you know, so many of us, especially when we're training, we see doctors who are practicing in one way. And, and many of us see that the academic doctor, physicians, right? We're like, oh, I got to be in academics. And, uh, you know, I, I was like that too. I was like, oh, I got to get an academic job and I got to become a professor and this, that, and other thing. And then like, I didn't get an academic job. I was like super disappointed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do community medicine. 
and like, it'll be great, you know, and, and I, and I did community medicine, but then even there, it's like people practice in a certain way. It's like, you got to do full time or you got to have this really huge practice. And we just start, start to feel like there's only one way to practice medicine. And what I love about these women doctors who are, are part of this summit is that they're practicing medicine in so many different ways. And we've got people talking on telemedicine and uh, people, an expert who's going to talk about locums tenants and someone else talking about direct primary care and how to set that up. Um, also, you know, how to create a med spa or do like a concierge practice. Um, and also just other things like getting into real estate investing or stock investing and um, so many different things because we just realized also lifestyle medicine. That's another huge thing people want to do or sleep medicine. There's so many different ways to practice medicine, um, you know, that we don't have to always just follow the traditional model or many of us now are employed by others. And maybe it's time to like take back your medical degree. And, and right now with the pandemic, you know, so many people are transitioning and pivoting and realizing like, okay, maybe their job isn't so stable, their employed position isn't quite so stable mm -hmm. as they thought. Oh, yes. And yeah, so I think um, that's the huge wake up, I think, ha call happening for us in medicine is that, we, you know, I used to even tell my husband, I was like, yeah, healthcare is recession proof, you know, it all, people always need healthcare. And then something like the pandemic happens and you've literally got dermatologists and ENT doctors who are, have no income. They're like, uh, now I'm living, yeah, I've just burned through my savings and now I have nothing. And it's like, whoa, really? You know, it, it's just kind of a, a huge wake up call that maybe we all need to have other sources of income besides our, our regular job or regular position that we have. So we're trying to give women doctors out there all the information that they could possibly want, you know, on a variety of different topics, different ways to practice medicine and make it work for you especially given the fact that many of us also have family and family responsibilities and, and also just concern about being, um, you know, sometimes in, in places where we're seeing COVID patients, maybe some people have family members at home who could be immunocompromised. They don't want to bring that home to their family and that type of thing. So the whole healthcare landscape has really changed now. And so that's why we thought it would be really important to, to share you know, what other women doctors are doing and how they're practicing medicine and doing things perhaps different than the traditional way. And um, so far, we've got a ton of people already signed up, registered for it. It's a free summit and um, it's going to be wonderful. I think people will absolutely love it. It's August 31st through September 4th. In case any of your listeners want to um, check it out, they can just go to our website, womeninwhitecoats.com and get registered for it. Oh, perfect. All right. And we'll definitely make sure that uh, is in the show notes. Uh, please, uh, I'm going to, once I'm done, I'm going to sign up for that because I want, I'm going to want to listen to, I want to, I want to be empowered. Like I said, again, I love, I, I love the, I love the aspect of the women, women empowerment just in general, uh, especially in medicine, especially in medicine, especially in healthcare, uh, uh, because I know there are forces, right? That uh, there's nothing you have done, right? But that, that, that continue to, you know, like hold you guys down in a position that you don't need to be in, right? So I'm, I, I'm one for always trying to circumvent uh, those outside forces that have been, uh, you know, historically and traditionally, um, and even as we speak, right? Like, you know, you know, making sure that you don't really excel uh, to the level that you need to, that you don't get paid at the level that you deserve, right? Like you don't get the time off, you don't get the respect. Like, oh, I could go, I could keep going, uh, but like again, so shout, shout out to that for sure. 
Um, before I let you go, like how how can like I know women in white coats, so make sure the link is like how can how can people find you, follow you, kind of just kind of you know just kind of again uh, be in your world. Let let them know. Let's, let's let's give these call to actions out. Let's get people to working. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you want to check out Women in White Coats, you can find us um, at womeninwhitecoats.com. We're also on Instagram at Women in White Coats blog. And um, if you want to check out what I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram as well at MightyMomMD. Or you can head on over to my website. It's MightyMomMD.com. Oh, I love it. Again, thank you for taking the time to... Uh, one again, get get me hype, right? Like, and as as a, as a father of two, uh, well, father of three, but two daughters. Um, I, I just love you know seeing just this this change and and seeing this just this level of determination uh, that women are like. You know, what? I'm not gonna allow uh, you, right? You being me, men. Um, uh, I'm not gonna allow you uh, like to allow my gender to be a ha- handicap anymore. Like that's not gonna happen. Uh, so uh, definitely, definitely, thank you for you know serving as an amazing example, uh, not only for my daughters, not only for my mom, my sister, my cousin. Like please, thank and thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. Um, this has been such a wonderful conversa- conversation, and I, I do have a daughter as well. And I was just thinking about it today, like how she tells me she wants to be a doctor. And I, I never told her to, to do that, but she's, she's seen me and she has seen my mom, you know, she knows, we actually have a lot of doctors in our family, but <laughs> she's seen many of us. She says she wants to be a doctor. And sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a tough, it's a tough time, you know? But um, then I realized like we have the opportunity to change this. You know, we can, we can change it. If we work together, we can make it as family friendly as like, you know, just the way nursing is so female heavy, right? Like so many nurses, like I think it's 90% of nurses are women, you know, so maybe we can make medicine into that too one day where, where women don't shy away from it because it seems like uh, impossible to do with a family. So, yeah. Uh, Raven, again, thank you, thank you for for joining, and uh, much appreciative. And again, I wish you nothing uh, but support and nothing but success, uh, really, for um, everything under the um, that looks like it's going to be a huge umbrella now of uh, women in white coats. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode hope you were empowered by today's episode please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode and if you have not already done so subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review especially on apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Michael Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv is very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod. 244222 and you'll be on the listserv you'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out you'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because i usually tell my listserv members hey this is what i'm working on this are the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on thanks guys you have a blessed day and i'm gonna see you guys 
next week.